and then yeah apparently we got disconnected so i'll, I'll get him back oh, on okay okay after i gave him that nice introduction my goodness travis roeder our daily bears tim watkins some of our friends there love those guys that uh we've got a lot of friends even though i think those guys are all kind of at odds with each other i think they actually like each other but uh, 247 and rivals and all the different things but uh i believe uh, our daily bears is part of that uh 24 7 it's hard to keep everybody straight but uh travis does an extremely nice job on all this film work and we used to do an old segment on my radio show in dallas for years called film don't lie and we would have like a scout like glenn stretch smith on and um and then we would kind of tell you we would break down the game what the scouts picked up on and uh and i think that's where travis is really going to help us okay good travis i'm sorry i i gave you such a a nice uh introduction and then i couldn't hear you i think your phone dropped i hope you found higher ground because i'm going to blame this on your phone uh it is travis roeder our daily bears and uh travis appreciate you appreciate all the good work you've been doing well thanks thanks for having me on matt yeah, you bet. Um, man, everybody's wanting to know the uh, the same thing, and it's, you know, what in the world? We'll look at West Virginia a little bit, but let's look back for a second. Some of the things that had been really good about the Baylor offense were not good at all, and you had been so pleased about the running game, the way Gary was playing, the way the line was playing. Let me ask you this. When you broke this thing down, and, and I've read a lot of your stuff, but for our audience, did you see – like major breakdowns along the offensive line? Was it as simple as one guy missing a block? Like, how how big were the failures in this game? Uh, and and do you think it's is, – is there a reason that Baylor Nation should be in a panic? No, oh, absolutely not. I mean, well, I mean, I guess I won't ever tell anybody what to do. I mean, if you want to panic, go ahead. But um, – I don't think that there was any sort of kind of massive failures. The problem for Baylor was that kind of anytime they did fail, whenever one player did fail, like if one guy on the line got whipped, he got whipped pretty good. So a lot, there were a lot of plays where four out of the five offensive linemen did really well, and there was a pretty clear hole developing. Uh, but one of the guards just kind of wasn't able to seal their guy and got pushed in the backfield three or four yards um, so I guess in that sense, you know, it's kind of in, you would have individual massive failure sparse, but uh, sparse through there, but nothing like 2020 where it was just like every play you could look at four, five, six guys all kind of massively failing, and there was almost no hope. Um, so this is a game where it was just they went against a really good defensive line. Um, they weren't really, you know, they, they weren't able to hold it up, and and there's kind of a lot of other stuff kind of schematically and. Um, uh, choice of play calls and other thing, other things like that that kind of went into it. Just so kind of a low snap count too. When you think about it, Baylor just didn't have that many snaps, so all of the issues were exacerbated, and you were able to kind of put everything under a magnifying glass um, due to the low snap count as well. Yeah, and isn't it funny that as as fans and media, a lot of times play calling, play calling, it's horrible. Now I thought that was interesting. You said you're usually not one of those people, but you did. You were a little curious. At, at at some of the calls that were made now Travis you you know you I think you kind of like that this team's gone for it a lot on fourth down uh looking back you know you're you're good at analytics and looking at all this stuff third and or excuse me fourth and four from your own 36 my gut at the time I didn't have like a visceral reaction like this is bad I think my visceral reaction came after I saw what they did 
which was a Gary kind of roll out and run for his life, and the play never had a chance. Were, were, did you have a similar reaction, or what, what was your thought on, uh, on Baylor electing to go for it uh, in a situation where I believe it was 17-14, they were down at the time, defense playing well, with about, I want to say, 8.36 left in the game? You want to say exactly right. And I'll just briefly have a comment about play calling, and then I'll talk about the fourth down, um, if that's okay with you. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I'm generally very kind of reflexively kind of against uh, – I feel like generally p- complaints about play calling are actually complaints about something else, uh, but it's very tangible and easy to kind of just say, well, that play didn't work, so the call was bad. In general, plant complaints about play calling I think have more about to do with – how the offense is structured, you know, how it's designed all off season. And then you're kind of limited by what plays you can actually call in a game. Um, and so that, that's kind of my thing there. And, and, and when this happened against Oklahoma state, um, I do think there were some calls uh, that were questionable, uh, but it wasn't a massive failure across the game. I don't think, again, I think it's something that's kind of highlighted by just the pure low number of snaps. Um, and then to, uh, specifically about the fourth down, um, yes, I, I was in favor of them going for it there. Uh, it's a very difficult uh, answer to give succinctly because in all of these decisions, it's a, it's a binary yes-no decision, right? But there's a literally you know, a thousand different factors that go to it. But at the end of the day, the coach has to make the choice. Does going for it here make it more or less likely that we win the football game? And I think when you look at a lot of things there, I know Baylor was only down three points. Uh, but with eight minutes left in the game, if you punt the ball away there and then Oklahoma State has a long drive, potentially scores again, you're looking. Baylor can only really feel comfortable about having maybe one, maybe two more possessions in the game. Um, and then I, I think when you kind of, you know, put get down to brass knuckles there, people might say, well, the offense is struggling, so how do you go for it? And then my answer to that is basically, well, if the offense is struggling, you're never going to win the game. So at some point, you got to move the ball. Uh, yeah, you can quibble with the play call. You can uh, try and think about whether they could have done something um, better there. But at the end of the day, I think them um, having that mentality as a team, knowing that they're a team that goes for it, and it sends a good message to the sideline that like we're not going to deviate from who we are just because we're afraid of the situation. So I like the mentality aspect of it too. Obviously, you wish you had it there. They had, uh, they had converted on a critical fourth down earlier in the game for a touchdown. So yeah. I kind of like it from the culture aspect of sticking with who they are too. Travis Roeder uh, joining us, Our Daily Bears. You could uh, read him on there, and then on his Twitter site, his uh, his Twitter handle is is a good one. And uh, and I like I like the way you cut up the film. Uh, in, in addition to kind of talking about different things, man, when you put a good thread together for me, that's the stuff I really love. I'm a big NBA fan, Travis, so you can imagine I love that kind of stuff. I'm a jazz fan, even more so now that they have more Baylor players. I was going to so say, I bet so. I, yeah. I can't, yeah, but even before, I love Quinn, and, and, and I liked, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the fact they had Royce there and all those guys, but I just love that whole team. Donovan Mitchell is, uh, is my favorite player in the NBA. So anytime a, a writer puts a, a long thought, I mean, I'm a writer, Travis. Uh, I, I, I wish I knew how to do all that, you know, like actually post those things but i kind of like just reading it i don't want to become the writer who does that but i love reading it and all that but from a perspective travis the i mean imagine that being plus three from a turnover margin uh you tell uh, a coach hey you're gonna be plus three you're gonna have three interceptions you're gonna be plus three at halftime 
and they're down 14 nothing. I mean, that's almost unfathomable. Uh, I said that word weirdly. But, I mean, think about it. Cowboys had a game, maybe the first game of the season, where they had a, a big plus. I don't know if it's plus two or plus three, and they lost that game to Tampa Bay. I think when you have that kind of turnover margin and you come out of a game and you lose it, that, that to me, more than anything, more than even the play calling or whatever, has to drive a coach insane. Well, yeah, I mean, in all, turnovers swing games in, you know, I, I think it kind of depends on where the turnover happens on the field, right? But I think in general they're worth four or five points per turnover. So I'm, I'm pulling that number out of my butt. I, I don't know exactly, but they're worth a lot of points. And so it, it kind of amassed a situation where Baylor was in it at the very end. Um, but, you know, obviously you have to earn your turnovers. But, um, you know, I think, you know, being down 14 nothing at halftime, up to it. they had to be counting their lucky stars that it wasn't a lot worse because it definitely could have been a lot worse um yeah i mean that's frustrating uh, and 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 that's why i think it's so worth kind of looking at each play and figuring out what's going on because if you just kind of look at the total stats sometimes it can be misleading you know from basically the vast majority of that game uh it wasn't a three-point game even though it was there at the end at the, at the scoreboard i think out of 12 drives or something that baylor had only two or three of them were really even uh, two. They scored touchdowns on two of them. And I think they might've gotten a couple first downs on another, uh, but mostly it was a lot of ineffectiveness. So yeah, I think the turnovers kind of masked what was really a, a worse game for them than it uh, appeared from the final score. Travis, give me your uh, thoughts uh, on Gary. Um, he says great moments. I think you've been very bullish on Gary Bohannon in, in the way he's played. Uh, nobody on offense, with the ex- possible exception of Abram Smith and maybe Estrada, I think had a particularly great game. You might have, uh, again, when you cut these things up, you might see one lineman <laughs> or somebody that, yeah. that that actually did have a great game. So you can correct me on that. But uh, I, I, I am interested in, is Gary seeing everything he's supposed to see? I want to say one comment you might have had was that, like, on one of those deep balls, he just didn't. He didn't get to step into it, um, and and maybe that was a chance. And I think that was the throw to Ebner, maybe down the left sideline. In, in mm-hmm. and that was a one that he'd like to have back because Ebner got wide open down that sideline. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, just kind of funnily because you said maybe there's one lineman. Uh, just to quickly say, the the center Jacob Gall has been awesome all year, and he okay. has continued to play awesome. Um, he had a great game. Um, but yeah, I love Gary. Uh, I think he's. I think a big reason I've been so bullish on him all year is because I felt like I had a decent. You know, we haven't really seen much in the past few years, but given what we saw in high school and given what I was able to see in practices that I was able to go to and stuff, I I really kind of just had a, a a decent grasp of like, well, you know, Baylor can just kind of hope to get some okay offense out of him, running the ball, you know, throwing some simple concepts, and if they get some okay offense with a great defense, they could be a pretty decent team. But I think what we've seen over these first four or five games is that Gary's been a lot more than just okay. And even when you look at the um, you know the Oklahoma State game, obviously he had his uh, negative moments. I think in particular it was the first game where he was really had pressure on him all day. I mean, basically any time they called any sort of deep shot or even any sort of drop back pass of, of any sort, you know he had guys in his face. Oklahoma State was getting after him. And so I think particularly by the end of the game, uh, he was, uh, you know, as they say, seeing ghosts, and it's not. That's not a. That's something that happens to pretty much every quarterback because if you get enough pressure on them, you know, they're going to feel it, even if it's not there. But by and large, I mean, you look at some of these balls that he was throwing downfield, and 
his, he's really calm, and um, I think that's been the most surprising thing for a guy that hasn't played a lot of quarterback. He's super calm in the pocket, and even when Oklahoma State was getting after him and even when he was seeing ghosts, he was still trying to get the ball downfield, but it might have just kind of affected his footwork and stuff like that. So I think as he gets more experience, um, as he gets more experience, he'll have more experience with that and being able to stay even cooler and calmer. But when you look at where, where most guys are at after five starts, it would have looked a lot worse against Oklahoma State than it did for Gary. I thought overall he still played a pretty, pretty dang good game. All right. I've not left this time to talk about West Virginia, so I'll get you, uh, you know, you might have to come on tomorrow. <laughs> i get you on and put you in these, uh, yeah. No, Travis, this is fun. I, I appreciate you um, I appreciate you doing this, and uh, I, I'm, I'm, there's just so many things. Let me ask you this, by the way. Last thing I'll ask you. Who is, because uh, like uh, uh, Randolph has really been a surprise to me. Uh, uh, Bryson Jackson did some really good things in that game. I, I, to me, I believe that um, Jalen Petrie's maybe the best player on this team. I, I always am going to say that guy's the best. In my mind, he's the best player on that defense. But have any of those guys, and I love the cornerbacks, I really do, and it'll be good to have Barnes back. But who is the who would you say is kind of your under-the-radar MVP so far uh, this season? Because we have huge respect for, like, Bernard, and, and obviously Matt Jones has come on. If you'd stop getting these post uh uh, play penalties, um, but is there anybody that, when you watch these, the, the film, is just showing off, like Maxwell or whoever, that that is that has surprised you a little bit on defense? Yeah, big question coming into the year, and sorry, a big reason we're running out of time is because I'm giving such long-winded answers. My apologies, but <laughs> no, you're fine. Uh, I think I think a bit of a cop-out answer here is the defensive line as a whole, but specifically. Uh, the last guy you mentioned there, Cole Maxwell, one of Baylor's starting defensive ends. And uh, Gabe Hall is another guy who's come on. Uh, I think he might have been Baylor's best defensive lineman in that Oklahoma State game alongside Apu Ika and Cole Maxwell. Uh, really, the only reason they're holding it together as well as they are in defense this year is because the defensive line has taken a major step up from last year. Every one of those guys is much, much better than they were last year. I mean, obviously, a big part of that is just that they were able to play at a normal weight. You know, last year, these guys were playing 20, 30 pounds underweight because of COVID. Um, but so, yeah, Cole Maxwell, Gabe Hall, Apu Ika is really starting to come into his own. The defensive line is really controlling things. Um, even though Oklahoma State was able to move the ball decently well kind of throughout the night, um, when you look at how the defensive line played, it could have been a lot worse if you had a, a, a worse unit out there. So, yeah, those guys are learning really well under uh, Coach DJ, Dennis Johnson, the defensive line coach. They play with great technique. They're big, they're strong, and they're physical. And so they've had a really great start to the year, which is good because some other aspects of the defense have not, not been as good as they want them to be. So, All right. And to show some levity, uh, Travis, because, boy, you are heavy into this film, and I love it. I love all that stuff. But at some point, I'd like you to maybe put a tweet out breaking down the film of Ika's uh, uh, River Dance. And kind of okay. and break that. Yeah, I, I think you got to every once in a while. You know, you you got a great fastball, but throw your breaking stuff and give them kind of the, the the rotor breakdown of the river dance. I think people would would love that kind of thing. Now, again, I could get you in trouble. You probably should just stick to your game plan. But uh, <laughs> uh, tell Watkins Mosley thought that you should do that. Okay. All right, right on. All right, Travis. Appreciate you, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. All right, Travis Roeder, there he is, and uh, I like that. I like that. Aaron, that, that's good. I mean, you and I, we're very opinionated people. We love to watch these things and react to them, 
But I kind of like having somebody that that watches the film and breaks all that stuff down and looks at who missed a block. And I mean, I think our people, I think our people are going to enjoy that. Maybe.